welcome to the Wayzata Free Conversations podcast. This week, we continue our series on racism with a conversation between Kevin Meyer, lead pastor at Wayzata Free Church, and Dr. Sammy Wynoni, who holds a Master's of Divinity and a doctorate in Global and Contextual Leadership from Bethel University in St. Paul, Minnesota. He is also the founder and lead evangelist of Shine in the World Ministries. Growing up in a small Kenyan village, at the age of eight, he felt a call to take the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations. He founded Shine in 2005, and through it, millions of people have been impacted with the gospel on multiple continents, especially in Africa and Asia. In 2016, Dr. Sammy launched the Merge Movement, which is mobilizing churches towards unity through praying, caring, and sharing the message of Jesus within the changing ethnic and spiritual landscape of America. Dr. Sammy believes that America is positioned for revival as churches recognize the uniqueness of this moment, where nations have become our neighbors. We've been in a series of conversations around some very important topics. This one specifically is about racism. So let's talk about racism. And it isn't unique to the USA, although right now we are experiencing racial tension like we haven't experienced since the 60s. Um, Jesus, uh, as he walked on this earth, also um, at one time walked through a Samaritan land, and obviously there was a lot of racism there. Uh, So I wanted to start out with this thought that I got from a podcast listener who said he's having a hard time understanding all these conversations on racism. And the fact is that God only created one race, not several. Yeah. Correct. So you having been born in, in Africa um, uh, as a black, how would you respond to that to me as a white pastor of a suburban church? <laughs> Uh, you know, first of all, I think I want to affirm that um, that listener uh, because it's true. God only created one race. Now He created us in the diversity of ethnicities. Um, you know, and the Bible is very explicit on that. We have people from different ethnic groups um, and different, you know, tones as uh, skin tones. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the race, it's only one human race. We are all descended from Adam, um, and we are actually redeemed by one Adam, that's Christ. And so I just want to affirm that listener say, you know, he's, I think he's onto something special here in terms of understanding the biblical uh, foundation and the biblical portrayal of our human identity as being of one race, one human race. Now that said, you know, we do have, when we talk about racism and all of that, uh, of course, language is dynamic. Uh, mm-hmm. And in the present context, we understand that to be speaking really of the different um, ethnicities and even, you know, probably more subtle than that, the difference in skin tone, uh, which is a little bit ridiculous when you think about it, um, that we would construct identities, you know, based on our skin tones uh, and all of that, um, when in reality we are one human race created in the image of God, uh, regardless of, you know, uh, how we look or how uh, we may outwardly uh, be seen or felt, or, or, or rather, how we may look uh, visually right. uh, well, from what we perceive with our eyes. So you bring, a, I think, up a great point. I think that listener, his thoughts were correct in a sense. Biblically, we do come from one race. Um, even scientifically, they'll say that it all goes back to one in in some ways. So, in saying that, it is skin tones and other 
things culturally, other socioeconomic, other things that kind of create a a racism. And there was a period in, in our history where we talked about being colorblind, and and that's become negative because we really do want to appreciate the kaleidoscope of colors that God has placed in the world with the different ethnicities and, and, and traditions and cultures and things such as that. Um, so mm-hmm. now we talk about, no, let's not be colorblind. Let's really appreciate those different races. I, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is uh, we'll get into this later about why God brought you here to Minneapolis and, and, and then move more into that aspect of what God is doing now. But I want to—I I really thought it'd be great to have you express what it's like, because um, coming from Africa, you have also experienced on another continent racism, and mm-hmm. you share some of that. Sometimes it's really good for us to have a kind of an analogous situation to go, okay, this isn't unique just to us. What are the, some of the things that you experienced in that you came away with um, that has been helpful even while you're here in America? Well, uh, yeah, coming from Kenya, of course, um, and, and thinking through the American experience, um, you know, here you have the black, white, you know, uh, differences that, 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 characterize the centuries of conflict and relationship uh, that has been there in America. Now, of course, the ground is is broader now because we have many more ethnicities. You know, we have the Latinos and we have uh, Asians and we have all these other communities um, that are more prominent now. Uh, but traditionally, it's been black and white. Now, in the African context, uh, at least in the Kenyan context specifically, uh, you know, we have 43 different tribes. Mm-hmm. And there is always that, you know, tribal tensions that characterize the different, you know, the, the relationship between different ethnic groups. Um, and it's, you know, it's the same it takes the same um, uh, tone. It takes the same uh, class and politics and you know socioeconomic um, uh, tones that we see here manifesting in terms of the of the, of the race, language, and, and, and conversation. Um, in fact, you know, so I've I've worked significantly in the country of Rwanda, which is it's right in the Central Africa, and for the last fifteen years. I've been going there, ministering there. Uh, and Rwanda has two ethnic groups, um, the Hutu and the Tutsi. Um, and looking at the Hutu and the Tutsi, you would never tell a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, they speak one language. They eat the same food. They, um, you know, they intermarry and everything. Yet we know that 26 years ago, you know, the Hutu and the Tutsi uh, rose against each other and a million people lost their lives in a hundred days. When I first went there, I was like, how do you tell a Tutsi from a Hutu? I, I can't <laughs> tell. You know? it's, a, it's not a um, skin color thing. Yeah it's, yeah, it's not a skin color thing. Um, but there is this uh, social constructs that dictate how mm-hmm. people relate to each other. And they were so amplified to an extent where people actually rose up and they could kill each other, uh, literally killing brother or sister, uh, just because they are Hutu or they are Tutsi. Uh, mm-hmm. And we saw that horrendous uh, uh, action, you know, act happen in the country of Rwanda. Correct. Basically um, a genocide around, and yeah. some of the issues I think so often center in power. Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's in power and in economics. Hutu felt like the Tutsi controlled everything, even though they are a minority group. Um, 
and, and in the pre-colonial, during the colonial days, uh, the Belgians who had controlled Rwanda, uh, they had given more of the political power uh, to the Tutsi. And so when the country became independent, uh, the Hutus felt like they had to overthrow not only the Belgians, but they also had to overthrow the, the Tutsi uh, um, and so that they can have their space uh, and of course, that was definitely the wrong thing to do. We've talked at times, and what's coming out even in our own culture today is is just around kind of the racial tension that is around power and economics and opportunity and all those kind of things. As you look at what you saw in Rwanda, what you've seen in in Africa, now let's come back here. And before we answer that question, I just got to ask you, why did you come to Minneapolis and, and what are you doing here? Um, well, you know, I, 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 I was sent to Minneapolis. Um, I, you know, let me put it that way. I was sent by the Lord here to come and be a missionary to this culture. Okay. Um, a missionary evangelist to this culture. But beyond that, of course, to the rest of the world as well. Um, but yeah, 20, 22 years ago, I felt a very strong leading from the Lord saying, hey, I'm sending you to Minnesota. Uh, of all the places. Um, and from there, you know, I'm going to send you to the rest of the world uh, right. with my message. And so I just sought to be obedient to Christ uh, and arrived here in January 98, which was a very cold day. Um, but <laughs> and you survived. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I survived. And, you know, by the grace of God, I've, I've thrived up to this point. Yeah, yeah. So God called you here. God's raised up this movement called Merge. Um, Correct. As you are kind of merging together, why don't you explain what Merge is um, in your mind? Yeah, so Merge is, um, is an initiative we have to rally the church to unity um, in Christ in order to reach the nations that are here from over 100 different nationalities. Uh, the Twin Cities has become very robust in terms of uh, its diversity, ethnic diversity over the last 20, 25 years. Uh, we have over 1 million people from over 100 nations mm -hmm. uh, that call the Twin Cities their home. Uh, one of the characteristics is that, you know, 90% of the communities, of these communities don't have saving relationship with Jesus. And so um, given our calling as followers of Christ and the implications for the Great Commission, um, it is a unique opportunity for the church to respond to this moment. So what we are doing with Merge is uh, rallying the church, saying, let us see uh, these nations that God has brought here and let us rise to the occasion to represent Christ uh, to these nations with the good news of Jesus Christ. So we are doing that through praying and caring uh, and sharing the message of Jesus Christ with the nations. And then next year, we are looking to have a celebration at Allianz Field, okay. uh, where we invite the many nations, we'll honor those nations, and we'll get to share the gospel, uh, the message of Jesus Christ. So as you're working with um, all these races, um, Black, Hispanic, uh, Hmong, I mean, all the different groups, um, what do you see as regard to racism among those groups and how do you see this playing out here in Minneapolis? Well, um, I mean, left to ourselves as human beings, of course, we will drift to our own little cocoons. Uh, we will, you know, hold our own prejudices. We'll have um, our own biases that kind of isolate us. Uh, but 
the scriptures provide us a strong foundation. Uh, when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, we are told that in Jerusalem gathered on that day, we had Parthians and Medes and Elamites uh, and Egyptians and Libyans and Cyrenians and Ethiopians, Arabs. You know, we had all these ethnic groups gathered together in Jerusalem when God poured out his Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Now, when I look at the Twin Cities, you know, we have Latinos, we have Hmong, we have Ethiopians, we have Eritreans, we have Filipinos, uh, we have Kenyans, we have Liberians, we have all kinds of people from all these nations. And when you parallel it against the scriptures, you see that it's a great moment for a possible Pentecost, mm-hmm. uh, a possible revival moment to happen in our city, and not just in our city, uh, it's the reality for most of the major cities in North America. Um, and, and Jesus, you know, in birthing his church, uh, he uh, anticipated the church to be a multi-ethnic, um, multi-racial community, if you may put it that way, um, that, that showcases uh, the kingdom of God, the reality of the kingdom of God. Uh, in fact, at the consummation, as we see it in Revelation 7, 9, uh, we see that there is people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation standing together in the presence of God saying salvation belongs to our God. Now, the unique thing when I look at that passage is that we can still tell the distinctions between the different ethnic groups. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't say they all looked the same. It doesn't say they were colorblind. No, it says, no, no. you know, they were all <clears throat> united together. Uh, but you can definitely tell the distinctions in their ethnic identity, but they're united in their message and they're united in their worship. And how I see that happening here in the Twin Cities is that if we are open with the church, uh, we should actually provide, uh, lead the way uh, as we are united together we shall see uh, this movement of the spirit that transcends ethnic and racial identity uh, and unites us in establishing the kingdom of God among us. We are already seeing that, you know, some of our pastor summits, which I believe you've been at, you know, several Mm -hmm. of them. um, We've had some of the most diverse um, gatherings of kingdom leaders in the Twin Cities from all these ethnic backgrounds. And we want to see that, you know, translate into not only the pastoral leaders, but the church um, working together as one in Christ. You know, Jesus prayed, said, you know, when you are one, the world will know that you are my disciples. Yeah, and well, many and that would be obviously yeah. an incredible sign to the world if mm-hmm. if there was a oneness like that. Now, so you're actually making a very important point here is at a certain point, um, it is not a, a matter of whether Ethiopian or you're uh, Hmong or you're white or whatever ethnic group you are, your identity, although you have an identity, we're not colorblind, our identity, there is an aspect of where our identity um, resides in, in even our ethnicity, but there's something deeper than that identity that there is something brings us all together. And what is that? Exactly. And that's the blood of Christ, you know, that blood of Jesus that unites us, that washes away our sin. Um, when, you, when you look at that Revelation text, it says they all say with one voice, salvation belongs to our God. Uh, so they're united in recognizing the source of their redemption, uh, the source of their hope and the source of their, uh, their deliverance. Um, of course, you know, we want the world to be a better place. We want to be able to ex- coexist well. Uh, but 
it is not going to happen um, 100% without the power uh, and the uniting grace of Jesus Christ uh, through the power of, of his blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is just the, the reality. And, and, and so the church has a better message. Um, just like, you know, the scriptures remind us that the blood of Jesus Christ speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Um, you know, while the, the blood of Abel cried out for justice and said, hey, um, my brother Cain killed me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the blood of Jesus Christ speaks better things in the sense that it it washes away our sin, gives us a new identity, and draws us together uh, regardless of our background, whether we are African-American, whether we are uh, Anglo-American, whether we are Latino-American, it unites us and it goes deeper than all this ethnic, uh, you know, uniqueness that we carry within ourselves. Correct. So as you look at it, uh, I mean, you're working with Black church leaders uh, in the Minneapolis area. What what do you see as the response and what are some of the things you've been seeing since George Floyd? And, and I mean, you're, you're obviously, I know in the trenches. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, for one, I just want to give glory to God because in the midst of the pain uh, and the, the, the strife that is there, um, God has been at work, um, you know, and, and as Christians responding through prayer is so important. One of the first things I did was to go out there uh, after the first night of bad riots. You know, I, I went out there and I was just praying in that neighborhood. I, I mm-hmm. went by the target and, and I was standing there praying and, you know, as, as we were also helping cleaning and all of that, uh, but interceding. And I felt like God was saying this, he's going to use this moment. If we as believers, we lean in, he's going to use this moment to birth a revival mm-hmm. and to birth an awakening. But we, we are responsible to pray and we are responsible uh, to, to focus um, on the unity of the spirit as the body of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are responsible to cry out to God and say, you know what, God, Uh, we repent on behalf of our nation uh, and and we want to lean into your grace and allow you to walk in and through us. And so as I've been out there along with, you know, our team and many other ministries, we've seen, you know, hundreds of people give their lives to Christ. Uh, I've had the privilege to speak at the Floyd Memorial there. Um, You know, I spoke quite a number of times, many nights, uh, and we saw, you know, hundreds of people coming to Christ, uh, experiencing healing, experiencing hope, uh, experiencing redemption. Um, Because people come with, you know, this sense of grievance and pain. And of course, it's understandable, uh, given the history and the circumstance. Uh, But God is able to give us a whole new beginning. Mm -hmm. Uh, God is capable of redeeming uh, generations and setting us uh, on a new path. And that has been, you know, our message to the African-American community saying, hey, you know what? God is capable uh, of redeeming our past and giving us a new beginning in this moment. Um, And to the, you know, white Americans saying, you know what? God is capable of redeeming our past. And, and uniting us in hope and in faith in this moment, especially when we recognize the work that Jesus Christ has done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the gospel being at the center of this is absolutely essential. Uh, there, it, there cannot be true healing for America, you know, just best or rooted in politics yeah. uh, or rooted in, you know, movements like the Black Lives Matter or, or that. They, they are empty in and of themselves. Right. Um, but it has. But when we root everything in Christ, uh, when we found out, when we when we have a foundation in Jesus Christ, 
I believe there is great hope. Uh, we are standing on the precipice of a possible uh, awakening and revival uh, and a movement of the spirit. So the press doesn't get what some of is going on there where you have seen, and I've heard that, that and I've actually been down there myself. We went and did a march and, and, and marched in prayer, did all that with a group of churches and people from different ethnicities. As you see people responding, are they of all ethnicities? What are you seeing and, and what are they saying? What, what do you see the greatest need as, as they pray with you? You know, actually, being at the George Floyd Memorial, you know, for those two months of preaching there, one of the amazing things was seeing people, you know, really the, 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 the picture of the Twin Cities, people from every ethnic group. They would be standing there listening to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we would make invitations to give their hope, uh, to give their hearts to Christ, people from all backgrounds respond, giving their hearts to Christ. So there is already this sense of, of, of unity, God moving in all directions. And I've played with Hmong women and, and, and Hmong guys, and I've prayed with, you know, uh, Latino guys. I've prayed with African-American people, you know, baptized, uh, all kinds of people right there on the street, uh, Anglo-Americans, you know, or white Americans, um, baptizing because the Spirit of God is in operation. I remember one night I was preaching there and we had this Somali uh, couple that was standing there. And when I made the invitation, you know, the, both the husband and wife uh, gave their lives to Jesus Christ in the middle of all of that. Um, and so we are already seeing uh, this movement of God touching all kinds of ethnic groups and ethnic communities. Now, as for the church, well, uh, you referenced the much, you know, we had every, ethnic group you can think about uh, here in the Twin Cities. You know, we had Filipino-American, we had Latino-American, we had uh, Kenyan-American, all, all kinds of, of groups um, that were united together. And, you know, we are united together in saying, you know what, we all care about our African-American brother, uh, but we also are understanding of the fact that, you know what, we in fact are one in Christ. And that we stand with each other, not on the basis of race or color or anything else, but on the basis of what Jesus has done uh, and on the basis of, um, of, 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 uh, of, of his redeeming grace that he has uh, been able to, to avail through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, I so much appreciate our African-American pastors like Bishop Howell and, mm -hmm. uh, of Shiloh Temple uh, or Richard Coleman uh, with AME Church. Uh, and their leadership, um, or even Dr. Morgan, who was uh, the CEO of uh, Union Gospel Mission, uh, and these great leaders, they recognize that it's not about preparation or all of that, but it's really us standing together as the body of Jesus Christ, united through his blood and redeemed through his blood, uh, and that we can speak better things for our city and for our nation and for our state in this hour uh, because of what Jesus has done in us uh, and his redemptive grace. Um, so, and, and so that's, that's kind of where we, we are and, and, and continuing to see that message of unity and hope uh, in Christ. And, and I feel like, you know, for the church, uh, the greatest need right now, you know, we have all these political passions and uh, everything else. Uh, but I think the greatest need is really listening, uh, mm -hmm. being present 
uh, to what God is doing to the movement of his spirit in this moment um, and having the compassion to listen, uh, to, to, to pay attention and to respond in the spirit of Christ uh, because we have a job to do here. We have a, we have a job to rebuild the walls uh, of our city and of our nation uh, in this moment yeah. um, and to repair um, the broken down uh, places so that we can move forward and be one, so, uh, truly united in Christ. So one of the things that I truly believe is important for any relationship, obviously, is listening and understanding so that you really um, give that opportunity for people to know that they've been heard. And and that I don't do that well. And I think um, as I look at sometimes the reactions and the polarization that we see all the time to the white church, what would you say they should be doing right now? Uh, you know, really listening. Um, uh, you know, uh, when, I, when, I, when this uh, George Floyd thing happened, you know, uh, I was praying, asking God, you know, God, what should be the strategy? What should we be listening? What should we do? Um, and and, this, and the, I felt like the Holy Spirit brought me to uh, the book of Nehemiah 1. Um, Nehemiah, of course, was a cupbearer for the king. So he was in, in a place of privilege. Uh, he was in a place of power. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in a place where uh, he could say, you know, I don't care. Uh, but Nehemiah took a moment to really listen to the people that had come from uh, Jerusalem. Now, he didn't listen so that he can feel guilty. No. Um, he listened so that he can uh, leverage uh, his place of influence uh, for the good of his community that needed help and hope. Uh, and I feel like for the, for the white uh, church at the moment, um, us really just saying, you know what, I, wa- I want to I listen, you know, uh, I want to bring down any arguments, anything that I may have, um, and just be present. Uh, to my brother, be present to my sister of, of another race or color, uh, to the African-American community, uh, and listen to these grievances, listen to their story, to their journey. Um, and then from that place of listening, um, pray. That's what Nehemiah did. He, mm-hmm. he took the information and then he stood before the Lord in prayer, um, uh, in a posture, of course, of, of repentance, uh, but also of uh, lament, Mm-hmm. Um, as he lamented for Jerusalem, as he lamented for the breaking down of the walls and, and seeking for uh, trusting God and praying for the welfare uh, of Jerusalem at that moment. And I feel like we have a responsibility uh, as the, uh, uh, you know, white church uh, to, to lament. Explain that, because I think a lot of times, as I've had conversation, now there are some who are who are um, who are I think listening and not moving to defend right away. But I think that concept of lament um, that sometimes even at points causes guilt or even some anger in people. Like I didn't do that, and I I often will say no. But Daniel, when he repented, wasn't repenting for his, really his sins. He was one of the most righteous men in the world, but he got to a certain point and he repented really for all his rulers that were there before him. So explain lament. I mean, because I think that's an important part that I believe the black church is, is it does want to hear that in some ways. What yeah. does that mean? And I think you you know you were right on point that uh, you know giving the example of Daniel uh, or in this in this case Nehemiah's point you know mm-hmm. uh, he was uh, lamenting not 
for his own sin. Now, of course, he said, you know, I and my father, my father's house and all of Israel, we have sinned. Um, but he, he takes on that historical burden uh, and says, you know, I may not be responsible directly, but I bear the responsibility. Um, it, it's, it's really more of, uh, it, it's really taking on uh, being Christ-like. And, and we are incarnational people. Uh, you know, Christ incarnate, uh, he took on our form and our, and our shape and our sin and, and, and took it in into himself. And that's how he could be able to redeem us. Uh, and in the same way, um, in seeking the healing and, and hope uh, for America collectively, uh, we want to enter into that story collectively together. Um, now, we know that as the church, historically, uh, the, the American church, of course, you know, was many times complacent. Right. Um, and we have plenty of history to speak to that. Um, and so when, even though I am, you know, I may be, I'm, I'm African, I'm an African Christian, uh, an African American for that, for that matter, because I'm American citizen, mm -hmm. you know, when I, by virtue of being an African American uh, who is a Christian, um, I own that history. I own that story. And from a spiritual standpoint, when I stand before the Lord and I own up to it, you know, and I repent of it, God is able to change uh, the trajectory of things uh, for this nation. Uh, it's not because I did it with my hands, uh, but because we did it as part of our story collectively together. Um, and we come with that sense of humility, um, knowing that, you know, as we, as we submit to Christ, uh, he's able to give us a new story going forward. It's what is able to bring healing and hope. And, I, and, and the African-American church is looking to hear that, mm -hmm. uh, to hear that, you know what, um, we, we, we own this, you know, we didn't do it directly, but, we know that it's been part of the faulty foundation. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been part of the faulty foundation that needs to be corrected. Um, on a prayer call, you know, I was on a national prayer call, uh, you know, shortly after the Floyd moment. Somebody uh, talked about how when the Minneapolis bridge uh, collapsed, mm -hmm. uh, they realized that it was because there was a faulty line in the foundation. Um, and because of that, the bridge had collapsed. And, and what it led to uh, was the re-examination of all the foundations uh, of all the bridges across the United States. Mm -hmm. um, and so they had to go and examine them, the engineering work that had been done. And I feel like this moment gives us that opportunity for us to go and examine, you know, uh, the foundations of our nation collectively with that, from that place of humility. It's not saying, oh, we've got to go destroy the bridges. No. It is saying, let's go look. And, and, and it's not saying carry the guilt for having made these bridges, even in one no. sense. It's owning up and saying, here's the condition. Let's improve and do what needs to be done so that it doesn't hurt anyone else or remain that way, which I think is a big part of whenever you're out of relationship with anyone, if, if there's something that's out of line to get right or to make right, there's a sense of um, if the person doesn't own up, it's, you're not sure whether trust can be there because they don't have a sense of what's been caused and what's creating that. So exactly. I, I, I do think that sense of we own up, we look at this, but let's not stay in guilt. Let's begin to say, God, how can we move forward? What does it look like for us to be like Christ in these situations? And I think, mm -hmm. Sammy, you're right. Part of it is listening, 
But part of it is we need to be in relationship with other brothers and sisters who are not like us. And that's one of the most difficult things in the church, because as some say, it is one of the most segregated hours in the world. It's true. Yes. This is 10 o'clock Sunday morning uh, is the most segregated hour in America because, you know, you have everybody uh, with people only that look like them in most of the cases. Um, but, but I feel like this is one of those moments where the Holy Spirit of God wants to do something special uh, for the church um, as we recognize, uh, you know, the, the faulty foundations that we have, we, we have been uh, operating on for so long, uh, which if we don't stop to listen and to, 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 to do something about, uh, we are bound for tragedy. Uh, but, you know, America in general, you know, we recognize that we are not a perfect union. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are becoming, you know, we are a more perfect union, as, as, as uh, the Constitution puts it. Um, so we are always looking for ways to be more perfect. Um, and, and I think that's a good place to, to think through uh, from a humility standpoint, knowing that, you know, uh, we are not perfect yet. But that doesn't mean that, you know, we, we say, okay, we are not perfect, and so we are not responsible, liable, whatever. It is saying we are not perfect, but we want to do something to become more perfect. Sure. And in this case, saying, you know, we want to be more perfect through the power and the help of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so listening, then lamenting, uh, but then also leveraging mm-hmm. uh, our, our potential, leveraging our platform, uh, speaking better things because of the redemptive work that Jesus has already done. So what, give me just by leveraging, give me a few examples of what does that look like? You know, I think it, it, it means, you know, like you, you already referenced, you know, being in relationship with people that mm-hmm. might be a little different from us, um, speaking up for, uh, for, for justice, you know, uh, truth and justice, because the gospel, um, you know, the Bible tells us that the, the foundation of God's throne is justice mm-hmm. and righteousness, uh, so we can't just say, okay, we're going to only focus on righteousness, you know, repentance, salvation, uh, mm-hmm. forgiveness of personal sin. Uh, we are also responsible to, to, it's a two-pronged approach. It is justice and righteousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so doing what is just in the world, not being complacent, not becoming party to, uh, to the oppressive systems, but examining them, saying, you know, how do these systems that I'm looking at, how do they advance the kingdom of God um, in my sphere of influence? How can I be present to our city? How can I be present, you know, to, uh, to the communities around me, that, to the less fortunate? Um, it's, it's an all-rounded, you know, look um, and, and posture uh, as followers of Jesus Christ, saying, you know, I want to be present to what God is doing um, and present in all ways that establish the kingdom of God here and now. Yeah. Well, I am I'm grateful that God sent you as a missionary <laughs> to um to america and particularly to minneapolis and having firsthand seeing how god has been at work uh, the hope that you see i mean because honestly you could create justice and 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 make things right for people doesn't mean that their hearts are going to be right with one another that takes the work and the act of god Um, and and so that's where i would say my heart is the same as yours god um pour out your spirit um, may we be people who experience in a, in a renewed way what it means to come um, humbly into your presence and to, and to listen and to love and to leverage what we have 
um, to create the kind of place um, where, where, where we actually are able to love our brother and our sister. So um, I'm Amen. grateful for you. I'm grateful for Merge and for your ministry. Um, I'm grateful that you took time to um, do this with me. I, any parting thought that you want to just share uh, before we wrap this conversation up? Well, you know, I just, you know, I just want to encourage any and every listener out there to know that, you know, your prayer counts. Um, the scriptures remind us if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn away from their wicked ways um, and call upon me, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Mm-hmm. Uh, our land now needs healing and hope more than ever before. Uh, but yet we have the most of God's grace at the same time. Uh, if we, the believers, uh, line up well, or, uh, um, uh, yeah, if, if, if we posture ourselves from that place of humility, as the scriptures tell us, we are in for a great moment, for yeah. a great awakening uh, for the United States and, and indeed for the rest of the world. Well, I, and, and I have to say, when you look at what God has done in Rwanda, which I, I know of a number of people who have been there and the forgiveness after such a genocide and some of the things that's happening there uh, among people there, I look at also and say, God, God can do it. He can do anything. He tells us all things are possible with him. And so that is truly our hope. Um, I'm really excited because as you talk about prayer, uh, our next podcast will be with a couple who felt um, God leading them to build relationship, just like we talked about, to listen, et cetera. And so I'm excited to bring that. So you kind of uh, nicely led us into that's at the next point we're going to talk. Let's stop talking and let's start doing something about it. So that's what we'll be doing next. So thank you so much, Sammy. You've been listening to the Wyzetta Free Conversations podcast. For more information about Wyzetta Free Church, please check out wyzettafree.org or download our app available on the App Store or on Google Play.